Abby Strauss, and welcome to The Expert Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. Mark George is a professor at the Medical University of South Carolina in Charleston. He is also the editor-in-chief of Brain Stimulation. The idea of stimulating the brain to address a psychiatric condition is not new, but it seems to be growing in its sophistication as a new area of research and treatment. Dr. George, thank you so much for joining us. I'm glad to be here. What does brain stimulation mean? Well, uh, it's a huge umbrella term that just covers any way of focally stimulating the brain, uh, usually with some form of electricity, but there are about 13 different ways of doing that, so it's a big term to cover a whole expanding field. And it truly is expanding from what we're reading. Oh, it is. You know, technology is taking off, and and this is a very technology-dependent area. I think people would be intrigued to know that right now, is, as I read it, there are essentially, shall we say, four major types of brain stimulation, ECT, TMS, DBS, VNS, a lot of initials. Could you give us a few minutes of your time to explain what these differences are? <laughs> yeah, it's an acronym soup, unfortunately, because all these different flavors of stimulating the brain do have different names. But the basic idea is, let's see, if we go back 20 years ago, uh, psychiatry really thought about the brain as soup. That is, uh, diseases might arise from a chemical that was deficient or not, but in the whole brain. So, you know, we are a little bit low on serotonin or a little bit too high on dopamine. We've had a revolution in brain imaging, and we've now learned that there are neighborhoods in the brain, regions in the brain, and that they do very different things. And so in some ways, the whole area of brain stimulation builds on the knowledge of brain imaging where we've identified for different diseases different neighborhoods where we think if we could intervene, we might be able to produce therapeutic advances or get people well. So these work differently than medications? Oh, absolutely. If you think about it, a medication, and I I do give medications, so I don't want to undersell them. They're very important and they're lifesavers, but medications are fundamentally inefficient. You know, we give something by mouth, which goes to the stomach, some of which gets absorbed. It goes to the whole body, some of which gets taken up into the brain, and then some of which goes to the part of the brain that has the problem. So if you were thinking about a delivery system, it would be the most inefficient way to get to the spot in the brain that's not working right. Stimulation, however, really goes right to that spot, and we try to stimulate the, the nerve cells in those regions, and, and so it's really much more focal than medications could really ever be. I'm told that some of these treatments actually came out of looking for treatments for Parkinson's disease. Is that an accurate bit of history? Yeah, one of the biggest recent hits, kind of a home run, with the brain stimulation treatments occurred by chance and by luck, and much of this field has advanced by luck to date. But surgeons were thinking about going in and actually cutting out a part of the brain in patients with Parkinson's disease. And they've known for years that a very focal and selected uh, lesion or cut might be able to, to help with Parkinson's disease. But before they cut, they actually were putting in electrodes, wires, to, to kind of see what would happen if they stimulated that part of the brain. And while they were in the regions, they turned on the electricity and immediately the patients stopped having tremors and many of the symptoms of Parkinson's disease went away. And so now that's turned into actually an FDA-approved treatment called deep brain stimulation, or DBS, and it's really helping a lot of patients with Parkinson's disease who have 
tried the medications, and then uh, eventually they they lose their ability to work. How did then the uh, treatment for Parkinson's disease roll over to being a psychiatric technique? Well, essentially what they're doing for uh, Parkinson's disease is they're sticking in a wire to the spot where historically they would have cut or produced a lesion. And they're turning on the wire very uh, with electricity at a high frequency, very high frequency, and in a way they're producing a, a, a simulation of what the brain would do as if you were to actually cut that region or turn it off, take it offline. So they're, they're mimicking uh, ablative neurosurgery by having constant high-frequency high frequency stimulation. So, and it works in Parkinson's disease. So years ago, many years ago, we knew that for some of the psychiatric disorders, you might be able to go in and, and cut different parts of the brain, either the cingulate gyrus or the orbitofrontal regions. And so people are now exploring whether you can introduce a wire and turn it on constantly at high frequency and, and, and again, produce uh, a mimic of what would happen if you actually cut that part of the brain off. The reason it's more compelling than actually doing the surgery is if the patient doesn't respond or if if you want to, you can just turn the electricity off, remove the wire, and you haven't made a fundamental change to the person's brain. You haven't actually done surgery. So it's it's less invasive than actual resective or ablative surgery. You less, there's less danger in that aspect of it. Correct. It's reversible in some ways. Yeah. But, but you know what's very interesting as you say this, because what you, if I'm understanding you correctly, we're turning off a piece of the brain in order to remove a psychiatric symptom. It, it's, in, I guess there's always this notion that the brain is overactive. But you're saying, I mean, underactive, I'm so sorry. And now you're saying we're turning it off and, and the symptoms reduce. Well, this is the beauty of brain stimulation techniques. Depending upon where you go with what technology and how you apply the electricity, you may be able to temporarily, or even for as long as you stimulate, take away a part of the brain that might be overactive. Or with different forms of stimulation, you might be able to reinvigorate or, or stimulate a part of the brain. So goes both uh, ways. you can use the whole umbrella of technologies to focally turn on, turn off, boost, or inhibit different brain regions. And so the, the promise of the field is, is enormous, actually. What areas in psychiatry are these techniques being looked at? Well, as I said, there's enormous promise, but you have to kind of filter that enormous promise with what can we do here and now, especially if you're a patient. So the things that are FDA approved in this country, that is, they've, they've undergone rigorous safety and efficacy trials are deep brain stimulation for the treatment of Parkinson's disease or essential tremor. So you can stick a wire in a part of the brain involved in motor control and, 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 and get real good relief. Another FDA-approved device is a thing called vagus nerve stimulation where you wrap a wire around a nerve at the neck that comes up into the base of the brain, which is really an information superhighway about about our body, and that is FDA approved for the treatment of epilepsy. By doing that, for some reason, it can stop or reduce the amount of seizures people are having. And we also discovered that that is useful for the treatment of depression, and that is also FDA approved. So right now, there are really only 
three diseases, that is depression, epilepsy, and Parkinson's disease, as well as essential tremor, that, that have an FDA-approved indication, and they're just those four that I outlined. Okay, well, what's the difference, then, between the deep brain stimulation and the uh, VNS and ECT? Because ECT is an old treatment. You you just caught me. I actually forgot to talk about ECT, which is the oldest form of brain stimulation, and it is, in quotes, FDA approved for depression. It actually has never been FDA approved. It was around and in practice before the FDA was created, and so it was kind of grandfathered in. But it is an, an FDA-approved indication for for the treatment of major depression. So these things differ in terms of uh, where you go with the stimulation and what you want the stimulation to do. With ECT, you stimulate, you apply electricity just on the skin outside of the brain while someone is put to sleep, and that is under general anesthesia, with the whole hope and the point of causing a generalized seizure. And for some reason, uh, repeated episodes of generalized seizures can undo depression. The, the other techniques that we talk about don't require creating a seizure, and they either intermittently stimulate, that's what the VNS does, it, it tickles and then stops, and then tickles and then stops. Or with DBS, the way that people are doing it now, you stick the wire in, you turn it on, and it's on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They, they differ radically in terms of whether they're episodic or continuous, whether they work with or without a seizure, and also where you're going in the brain. There's been a lot of talk also about another one called transcranial magnetic stimulation, which people are looking at and saying, my goodness, this is the most benign of all treatments. Well, that technology, TMS, or transcranial magnetic stimulation, is is really my personal favorite. I I discovered it, I mean, I I discovered that it existed back in 1989, and I've always been attracted to it because it is non-invasive. You can, with that one, you you take a a handheld electromagnet and put it on the outside of the brain and turn it on and off, and the magnetic field passes unimpeded through the skull and the scalp, and then it creates a kind of electrical tickle in the surface of the brain. And so I've always liked it because it's both uh, localized or focal, and it's absolutely non-invasive. You can do it on somebody who's awake and alert while they're doing behaviors, and and it can either inhibit or accentuate activities depending upon where you you, you focus the the magnetic field. Uh, I have spent most of my career testing whether it can be useful for the treatment of depression, and there have been about thirty studies, most of which show that it 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 can treat. Uh, depression, probably as good as medications if you do it every day for 20 minutes for about four weeks. That's not yet FDA approved. There was a trial trying to get FDA approval and they fell oh, just 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 barely under the wire and they're, the company that is sponsoring that is going back and doing another trial now. So I anticipate that it will be available clinically in the U.S. In, in a couple of years, but it's not yet in the category of FDA approved. However, it's very exciting that at least research is going in that direction. Oh, yeah, and actually the least invasive is, a, is another technology called transcranial direct current stimulation, TDCS, where you just put a very small wire on different parts of the brain and hook it up to essentially an 8-volt battery. This was done for years in Russia, and, and the data there are hard to figure out, but it's it's having a renaissance now led by a group in Germany, and it's clear that that technology can 
vocally excite a part of the brain in ways that cause potentially therapeutic-like effects. And so that one may, the research with it is still pretty pretty uh, in its infancy, but that one eventually might turn into one of the least invasive technologies that could have some big therapeutic applications. Although I have to say it's still, it's still a, a newcomer, but in terms of the least invasive, it's actually less invasive than even TMS. Fascinating. What about research in other areas, such as obsessive compulsive disorder? One reads occasionally that there's research using these techniques for OCD. Yeah, well, actually, if you think of any brain disease that for which we have a roadmap, you know, we kind of know some neighborhoods that might be working or not working, you can think about how you might take one of these technologies and then apply it to that region and see if you can get people better. And so OCD, because we kind of know the neighborhoods uh, pretty well, is one of the more attractive. And plus, we don't have a lot of good treatments for OCD. Unfortunately. So people have used many of the technologies for OCD. ECT doesn't work. TMS, the literature, is, is inconsistent. The one that appears to be promising is where if you if you put a wire into some of the uh, cables that connect some of the important neighborhoods involved in OCD and turn it on, you might be able to get a relief of symptoms. So there has been a, a large multi-site trial of deep brain stimulation in OCD with pretty good results. I mean, there are a couple of patients who were severely ill who after the stimulation was put in and turned on, they're, they're able to resume their lives. So there are a couple of real grand slam home runs, and the FDA is actually looking at that technique and seeing whether they might uh, grant approval as well. I, I've also read, sir, that there's the articles seem to indicate that there is more of a sustained improvement for longer periods of times with DBS than perhaps with medications. I, I hope I'm not oversimplifying that, but that seems oh, to be well, one of the... So, so th- this, this idea of how fast do they work and how long do they work yes. is really interesting because we've kind of gotten used to medications and, and how long, and medications generally take at least a couple of weeks to work and then sometimes people get tolerant to them. In some diseases it's clear, like in Parkinson's disease, the the dopamine drugs work great for a couple of years and then they don't work at all. And so so it's clear that the medicines have kind of a certain set of rules about how they work for different disorders. These brain stimulation techniques are very different because it appears that the rules are very different. So for example, with the deep brain stimulation for Parkinson's disease, you put the wire in and the minute that you turn it on, it's gone. the uh, tremors go away. And as long as the wire is in and the electricity is there, the trimmer is gone. However, if for a second you turn it off, the trimmer comes immediately back. So the the time to onset, time to offset for that indication is, is immediate. It's different, for example, with vagus nerve stimulation for either epilepsy or depression. There, you really don't get an effect when you turn the device on for really months, several months. But if you get an effect, the durability of the response seems to be very persistent. That is, people can go for four or five years and they stay well. So there appear to be a whole new set of rules about the speed of onset and the durability of the effects that are very different with these technologies than what we've learned over generations now with medications. Do you think that maybe we will see that there are different types of biological depressions, that those which respond to medications as opposed opposed to those that respond to stimulation? 
That is a very deep and good question. <laughs> <laughs> With any new treatments, you always have the hope that you're putting that it might be able to help us back understand subcategories of disease. And to the degree that these things work in a very specific mechanism of action in the very specific region, it might be able to back parse out diseases. But I don't know. It's an interesting question. We'll watch. It really hasn't helped us, for example, in in Parkinson's disease, it, you know, all of the, if you have inherited Parkinson's disease versus traumatic Parkinson's disease, it works the same. So it it, it hasn't helped us really in, in a few of the home runs to date. Let me quickly, sir, because we're going to be unfortunately running out of time. We, people are going to ask if they are a good candidate for this and where they might get information uh, I know that your journal, which is an excellent journal, but brand new, has also posted a website. Um, would want to give that address in just a second. But where would people, other than the journal, which is a very sophisticated journal, go for information on this? Well, I think a good first place to go if I were a patient would be grants.gov, which will list all of the grants in the United States that involve these technologies. So you could go to grants.gov, and depending upon your disease, depression or Parkinson's disease or Alzheimer's, you can uh, type that in, and then it'll give you a listing of all the all the current trials, and not just the NIH trials, but all industry and NIH trials that are being done. And then you could find out what it takes to get involved, and whether there's a local place that you could go to. So I think going to grants.gov is the is the best first place. I think. Okay, that's a very good idea. Your website, if I remember this correctly, is BrainStemJourn. B-R-A-I-N-S-T-I-M-J-R-N-L dot com. Yeah, that's for the Brainstem Journal. And what we've done is we've formed a journal that tries to bring together all these different technologies and different user groups and say, hey, what's, what's common among the technologies and how do we actually get beyond depending upon luck and think about how to use these things in a much more rational and applied way. And um, I hope that it succeeds, but at least it's a, it's a gathering place. Oh, it's excellent research, and, and it's always so exciting to hear about such cutting-edge edge research, and I thank you so very much for joining us. We're talking to Dr. Mark George, who's a professor at the Medical University of South Carolina in, in Charleston, and he's also the editor-in-chief of Brain Stimulation, and we're talking about new techniques in the treatment of various psychiatric disorders. Dr. George, thank you so much for joining us. You're most welcome. Thank you. Have a good day. All right, bye. Bye.